you miss a basketball layup or you miss a catch in football, you, you can't really say I wasn't trying. You just missed it. And now it's on you and you have to take ownership over that and you can't really blame others. Welcome to Behind the Sweat, a podcast that goes deep into what it means to be an athlete. I'm your host, Alexandra Weisner, athlete, coach, and entrepreneur. This season, I'm sitting down with all different types of athletes as they share their stories and answer the question, what does it mean to be an athlete? Today, my guest is Mike Idella. Mike is a Denver-based coach and inspiring us to find our play and build resiliency. This conversation goes deep into how we, do we get into flow state and so much more. We talk a lot about baths and all the cool ways to recover and get our mind and bodies ready to go. Here's the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I work as a, uh, so man, it's kind of hard to ask, even answer that simple question, but I work as a health and wellness coach. Uh, I'm a lifetime athlete, and I think that's probably the simplest way to do it. And you're based here in Denver. Correct. I am based in Denver. Did you grow up in Colorado? I wish. I grew up in uh, New York, about like 20 minutes north of the Bronx. I grew up 20 minutes west of the George Washington Bridge. Oh, very cool. So yeah, what kind of, tell us about your childhood. Did you play sports growing up? Kind of what child were you? Or what were you like? Yeah, I uh, I was a very active child and I'm still very active today. But I played all sports growing up from uh, roller hockey to, you know, every ball possible, except for lacrosse, which I kind of regret that, but uh, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, you know, all different types. And my mom always says that I never met a ball I didn't like. So. No, that's awesome. And kind of, yeah, walk us through kind of what high school looked like, what sports were really big. And then I know you played football in college, kind of how did that kind of all come to happen? Yeah, totally. So uh, when I went to high school, I had played soccer in a lot growing up and I really liked soccer, but my parents didn't allow me to play football until I was in middle school. So I went to a new school and uh, I kind of was wanted to more or less like reinvent myself and allow myself to play a different sport so I moved from soccer where I was a goalie to football where I played running back and quarterback and then uh, I played basketball as well I've always played basketball and I didn't do anything in the spring the springtime was when I uh, worked out so I would do a lot of strength and conditioning what you know obviously your parents were you got to high school and you could play football what was it about football that you were like yes this is my sport I like the camaraderie. Like I really liked um, also the combative aspect of it, like kind of like ramming up and like being physical was really fun. But also like the whole blood, sweat and tears with your brother thing. I was, I really loved that. Yeah, there's always just something about being part of a team and, you know, you're spending all that time training together. And then on game day, you're getting to play together and, you know, you all have the same end goal in mind. Exactly. Yeah, totally. We're all focused on the summer on trying to, you know, be as uh, be as strong and as fit as we can be so that we can support each other on the field. Because, you know, in football, it's extremely, a, it's very much a team sport. So if you, you don't want to let your teammates down, which I think is a cool thing. Yeah. And then you continue to play in college. 
Yes. So I played at a Division three school in New York, and I played uh, – originally I was a quarterback and a cornerback in high school, and then they wanted me to play middle linebacker in college. And I was about 190, 195 pounds in high school. And for middle linebacker, I was like, crap, I'm going to be against these huge college linemen. I need to, you know, gain some weight. And so I started working with a coach, learning how to Olympic weightlift my senior year of high school. And I wound up eating everything that I could and (laughs) gaining like almost 40 pounds in one semester of my like my last year of college of high school so I blew up the heaviest that was was 232 and um, then I wound up playing outside linebacker in college and then um, safety and when you were in school were you studying to have a quote unquote real job after or were you thinking that sports were going to be something that you try to pursue yeah so I I went to school originally as a phys ed teacher and then I switched about a year into kinesiology and exercise science. And then, yeah, so then you kind of thought, oh, this health and wellness is where my future's at. Oh, yeah, 100%. What was it about that that you're like, I want to make this my career and my life and help inspire others to also sweat it out? Yeah, well, I just know how good it made me feel and like the the mental journey that I would go through with training and with pushing myself and with learning about myself. And so I wanted to learn all of the, everything I could about that, like all of the nitty gritty details. And then I wanted to learn how to best coach other people. So I've been a coach for my whole life. I mean, I was even, you know, coaching when I was 15 years old, you know, middle school and, and elementary school kids. And then that the whole coaching, um, profession of mine has just has really grown from strength and conditioning to yoga to personal development and emotional coaching it's like I really just love to help people be their best and a lot of that had to do and has to do with uh, their physicality so let's talk about that a little bit more what does that kind of look like for you in I guess today's world now even with the pandemic going on what does that kind of look like for you in how you're working with others? It works in a multitude of ways. I still work with clients one-on-one. So I see them and I, it's regular personal training. And then I, I create online programs for certain people. So customized training programs dependent upon their equipment, the time that they have to train, where they are in their training, what their goals are, what their space looks like, any injuries, et cetera. I have a app that I've created with hundreds of videos and I kind of drag and drop and um, curate that specific program to them. I do, I teach a lot of handstands as well. I have an online handstand program that I love to send out to people. And then I work as a performance coach, which really gets into your whole health from a more holistic perspective. So we look at like your relationships, your emotions, food you're eating, sleep, um, your friends, your environment, your job, et cetera, to help you really dial in and be the best that you can be. So if someone comes to you and they're like, hey, I want to make some lifestyle changes, what is usually your first piece of advice to them? I try to get to know why they want to make lifestyle changes, right? Because we're all motivated by certain things. So like 
for example, uh, I used to live in New York City and I'd work with a lot of housewives. And now these housewives maybe were already super fit, already working out a ton, but they wanted to come to me because they wanted to like lose 10 pounds. And so they would come into the gym. They're like, hey, Mike, I want to lose 10 pounds. And really what they really want is to maybe gain a better relationship with their husband or their kids or their friends or their job. And they think that losing the 10, five pounds will give them the confidence or help attract certain things into their life. And so what we do instead, or they still can lose the weight if they need to, but it's like what we do instead is teach them skills to help gain um, their confidence and their self-esteem up and show them that they can use this body to push themselves hard and it can work for them rather than against them. And then that whole package that they learn in the gym then permeates into other areas of their life. And I think that's a place where a lot of people don't realize is that working out is just more than losing the weight. It is how all that transfers into life. And how do you think your experiences as an athlete have allowed you to make those trans transformations in your own life out of the gym yeah it's really resiliency i mean resiliency is maybe one of the best uh, things that i've learned through sports because and courage as well like you have to really try in sports you can't you know if you miss a basketball layup or you miss a catch in football you you can't really say i wasn't trying you just missed it and so you have to deal with the fact that maybe you missed the lift or or you missed you messed up the thing and now it's on you and you have to take ownership over that and you can't really blame others and then you can work on kind of making some changes or practicing more so that in the future that has a less chance of happening so it's the same thing in life right like if you have an argument with your significant other you can't really just blame them you need to look at why you're having the argument did you do your best to come into the argument from a space of like clarity can you ask for what you need, uh, et cetera, or even in your job also, like, is, are, are things going the way that you want them to go? And if not, what, what can, what can you can, what can you control to help them move in a direction that, that you want to go? No, I think that really hits home, especially for this year is knowing what it is that we do have the capabilities of controlling in our lives and where do we just need to go with the flow of it? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, you're always in control of one thing, really. And that's the, your reaction to other things. That is so true. I've, I've not heard someone phrase it that way before. But yes, that is so 100% true. And, and that's a great thing that sports teaches you. Because you're, you're in control, like especially weightlifting or especially doing a handstand. You know, if you fall out of a handstand, there's a reason why you did why you fell out. Are you able to recognize what that is and then make an adjustment? Yeah, that's a great way, to, like a great analogy to put it. When you're putting your body in a stressful situation, how does your body react? And same thing when you're putting yourself in a stressful situation, how are you going to react to that? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's really a mindset thing because like, I've never failed more at anything than I have failed at holding myself upside down, especially in the beginning. But because of the resiliency that I've built up a lot through sports and other avenues, I never get in my head. I'm like, oh, Mike, you suck. Like, you're never going to get this. Like, why are you even trying to do it? I just focus on what I can control, which is what I'm doing. So I always say, like, if you can focus on how you place your hands on the ground and where you're focusing with your eyes and hold yourself upside down, 
you can take that same attention like container and put it into other more important areas of your life, like an important conversation or the food that you're eating or the you know, art you're creating or the job you're doing. You're increasing your ability to be present, which, you know, let's be honest, that's really the key to a happy and healthy life. That is very, very true. So what kind of motivates you and inspires you to stay active in your daily life? Mm, the fun. I mean, I like, I really just like being active and I'm very curious. I think curiosity is, uh, one, again, one of like a very underrated quality because if you're curious, then it's going to give you the drive to learn more. So always asking yourself why, or is this possible? Or can I do this? That's what, that's really kept me going. And that's, will be if I'm trying to qualify for like a strongman national competition or if I want to run an ultra marathon in the Grand Canyon. It's just being curious of my body and my human experience. No, that's so great. And it's a great segue into my next question. Kind of what are you training for right now? What are, how are you challenging yourself physically? So that's a great question. And honestly, for uh, most of my life, I've really had these major goals, like I want to lift 400 pounds over my head, or I want to do this or that. And it's all been, I've been like a really all or nothing type of person when it comes to training. And so what I'm doing now is just focusing on training a little bit every day and not, and honestly, not giving it too much of my attention, just kind of hitting the basics and staying healthy and staying fit, but not. I don't really have like a major goal that I'm going after, which uh, for me is a really good thing. Yeah, no, I feel like that's where a lot of people are right now. And I recently on a um, interviewed a pro uh, runner who runs 800 meters. And she was just saying, she's like, you know, I don't really miss the competition. It's more that the training and training with other people. And that she's like, she was just saying, I love the training more than I actually love the competition of the sport. And that's her job. <laughs> I'm like, but that's so true. The tra the moments that we get to spend training and just having the, that time is sometimes more important than the actual end result. Yeah, I mean, it, that's why I, it's so true. The training is really what's fun uh, for me and being around my friends and not getting, you know, not, not getting too intense with it at all times and letting it kind of take over my life. Um, that's definitely been something that's happened to me as I've, you know, been fairly successful with the things that I've done, you know, requires a lot of time, but kind of trying to spread, spread out other areas of my life has been a, a focus of mine recently. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like that's also why I've done so many things in my life. I'm like, oh, we can train together. It's a great excuse to hang out. But also, I mean, if anything, I really don't miss marathon training right now and dedicating hours to just going out and running and then you're so tired afterwards that all you want to do is sleep and not talk to anyone. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I hear that. So what is kind of a typical training day for you right now? Or is your, you know, walk us through your day. Yeah. So, um, well, recently I've been doing this, this thing at my friend's house. Um, he has a really sweet garage gym set up and we, a bunch of us will go over to his house at seven in the morning seven to nine and we'll work out for an hour in the garage and then we'll do 30 to 60 minutes in the hot sauna and the ice. So 
there's that. And then during the day, I'm doing a lot of work calls and um, emails and responses back to people. And I'll go sometimes either mountain biking or rock climbing. You know, we live in, in Colorado, which is awesome. So there's so much outdoor activity to be had and definitely capitalize on that as much as possible while still working as a coach to, you know, serve other athletes. What do you think the biggest thing or biggest impact of the pandemic has been on your mindset and just your lifestyle in general? Mm, I think it's more like reaffirming on my mindset. It's like just tested their resiliency a little bit, but it's also really been opportunistic. And I know like this a very privileged state of looking at it, but it's also my personality is like, you could, I would say like, you could put me in jail and I would be, I'd be okay. Like I would find stuff to do. Like it's, I'm never bored. I'm very creative and always making up different games for myself. So I try to focus on the things that I can control. I um, can't control the coronavirus, but I can control my, the, the way I spend my day and how I spend my time. So again, there's not been too much kind of change there. The only really thing is I wasn't able to see a lot of my clients in person and get that like face-to-face, like human contact with them. Yeah. And I think that's, we're all missing human contact and kind of something that you said in that, do you have a mindset practice? Mm, I wouldn't say I do a daily mindset practice every day, but I definitely go through a lot of phases where I'll do a bunch of journaling or I'll do some meditations. I'm a big fan of baths, so I take a lot of bath rituals a couple times a week. I always recommend to people who are looking to gain a little bit more introspection into their life and slow down to take a really hot bath with some Epsom salt and you know you can light some candles, keep your phone out of it, and just you know sit with your own thoughts and do some breath work i like I do a lot of breath work as well that sounds amazing, kind of how did you? decide that that was going to become part of your process. Yeah, I mean, that introspective stuff's been part of my process for a long time, just because I know I like, again, I'm very curious. So I like to ask myself why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And then are these things serving me in the direction I want to go? And if they're not, then what changes can I make to grow in that area? And I made a deal kind of with myself when I was, I haven't really told that many people this, but when I was 19 or 20, I made a deal with myself where I said, Mike, you're going to focus on the soft skills and you're going to build the best mic that you can possibly build, you know, in your twenties. So you're not going to really chase a bunch of money. You're not going to chase a bunch of cars or homes or businesses or stuff like that. You're going to learn how to be empathetic. You're going to learn how to communicate. You're going to learn how to listen. You're going to learn all these skills that later on when you decide what it is you want to do, they're going to really serve you in that field. And so that's put me on a huge journey to study from different teachers all over the world, from uh, meditation to yoga, mindfulness, like et cetera. And so I kind of have a big toolbox repertoire that I'll pull from depending on what it is that I'm looking for. What are some of those tools? <laughs> now I'm curious. Things like simple things like a gratitude practice. Or just a different way of thinking about your life, like different journaling prompts, different ways of, you know, being reflective on your own life. One of the best tools that I have that I, that's served me is so simple in concept, um, but it's eliminating the word should from your life. Have you ever heard about this? No, tell us more. 
Okay, yeah. So um, a should is a really made up concept. Uh, it's like a gray, I call it a gray word, whereas it's just other people's expectation on you. So it's like some examples of should are like, you should work out more, you should eat better, you should sleep more, you should ask her out, you should ask him out, you should go out tonight, whatnot. And what it does is it gives your personal power away. And when you you do that, you're just at the whim of whatever society thinks that you should do. And a lot of that's like marketing and advertising and people putting their constructs onto you, which becomes really exhausting and really, it creates a lot of anxiety and stress. So you'll notice people that in your life that are very anxious or do have a lot of stress will usually use that word should a lot. But when you can eliminate the word should and you insert the words want or don't want, you immediately gain ownership over your life. And then you gain, or sorry, you gain ownership over your language, which then gives you ownership over your actions, which then gives you ownership over your life. So it's a really freeing way to be. Um, it can be difficult at first if you struggle with some self-love or self-esteem because it forces you to make the decisions. But once you get comfortable with that, it's maybe the number one tip that I've that I can give to people. That sounds amazing. And probably, I mean, it changes your, the whole perspective because you're changing the whole way you're whatever your sentence you're saying, you're changing that whole context. I think it's very similar to saying like if you're setting goals, setting them, setting them almost in the past tense versus in the future tense to say of knowing that you've already completed it and writing it down and then, you know, just playing with that mindset of opening up saying I can do this versus waiting and waiting for something to happen to you. Yeah. You get yeah. to do this too. No, I love that. I think that is, I mean, something that most of us sh should be putting in our practice, need to put in our practice. You would suggest. Suggest that we put that in their practice. Yeah. No, definitely going to try that one out, even myself. Yeah, it's a, I call it a should fast. You go on a should fast for like a day or a week or a year or the rest of your life. It's uh, it's really powerful. And you'll see there'll be sneaky ways that you'll want to bring it in um, just because it's hard to, you know, to say what you want a lot of times and to ask for that. A lot of, a lot of times some people don't feel like they deserve to get what it is that they want. And so it can, it can really be a gateway to dive deeper into some more, uh, you know, personal things. But I think that also touches on a very interesting point where a lot of people don't think they deserve what they want. And that's really the biggest thing that holds a lot of people back is that they feel they don't deserve it. Yeah, the best. I mean, I would always ask why. Why do you feel like you don't deserve it? And then whatever answer they give, ask why again. And keep going until you get to root cause. And then from that root cause, we can look at it and see, well, does this make sense or does this not make sense? And then what are the different ways that we can work on this, um, this construct? It's like when you're a little kid, I have a four-year-old nephew and one of his favorite questions is why. And I think we definitely lose that as adults is that curiosity to ask why. Yeah, 100%. And for kids, it's so simple. They're just like, why? Why are we doing this? That's a great. That's a great way, thing to think about. I think having that childlike mindset, not only in the curiosity of, I mean, that is what it is. They're being curious, but they also they learn. They really know how to have fun and play, and that's another thing I think uh, a lot of people could could use a bit more of.
So how do you incorporate play into your life when you're not training? What does your life look like outside of that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I try to bring play into the training I do all the time, like almost to a fault. I mean, I'll give you an example from this morning. I was doing a bunch of core workouts with my girlfriend and, you know, I had this idea that came into my head. I'm like, what if I'm holding a plank? And then she, there was this, I'll backtrack for a second. There was this bench challenge where you kind of put your hands and knees on top of a bench and then you crawl under the bench and back around on top of it without touching the ground. So it's a good little like fun body weight challenge to play with. But I was in my plank and I'm like, what if she tries to crawl around me while I'm in the plank? Which is a challenge for me because I have to hold this plank while she's pulling and climbing on me. And it's a challenge for her because she has to pull and try to get around. So that's just one example of of a quick thing I like to do for, for play. It's really just a mindset. I love to do a lot of partner acrobatics. I'll do a ton of handstands. Those can always be really playful for me now in certain times. That I mean, that's great way to incorporate play and sounds very difficult at the same time. The thing with with play and with all of this physicality, I think a lot of times people get held up with comparison and expectations. And I this word gets used a lot in the circles that I'm in, so I'm apolog- I apologize if these people have already heard about it, but it's the flow state. And with the, the easiest way I like to describe the flow state is a graph. And on one axis of the graph is the skill, and on the other is the challenge. And so in order to get into flow, which, you know, as an, as athletes, um, we all kind of know what that is. Like when we're completely in the zone and time goes, time slows down and we're just focusing on what it is that we're doing. When you get to get into that state, you need the challenge to be high enough to use all of your skill. So like one of my clients is 70 years old and she is working on handstands, but she didn't start working on handstands. She first was starting with doing a pushup. But she had the right mindset of working to gain all of like the challenge of doing a push-up required all of her skill. Now the challenge of kicking up to a handstand requires all of her skill. So we just kind of try to give her the right challenge to meet her skill to put her in flow. And so that's really like the overarching theme on how to play is how do you get into flow? And then you can use your creativity to like pull and prod that challenge line depending on what skill you or the people that you're playing with have yeah that makes so much sense and I mean getting into that flow state is always the place you're kind of looking for as I think as an athlete when you are training yeah totally I mean and it's to that to get into that place can be very can be easier if you can be creative I mean you can get into flow state brushing your teeth or just walking outside it's just dependent upon how much attention you can bring to the thing that it is that you're doing. And so it's easy to be in flow state when, you know, you, you do, you're skydiving because you're only focused on the airplane or the um, parachute opening up. It's easy to be in flow state when you're, you know, it's a fourth quarter and you got to win the game, right? It's not the, the real challenge and like the real things that I, the real people that I look up to are the ones that can get into flow state by washing the dishes yeah there's the challenge everyone try to wash the dishes and get into flow state and those basic everyday activities yeah i mean uh, to take it one step further it's just like how you wash each dish and really trying to wash each dish the best that you can or 
you know, I, I worked with a client the other day and we were working on finding the beauty in, in his life. And so I sent him out on a 30 minute meditation to a field and his homework was to find the most beautiful blade of grass. And so he sat down in the field and did, you know, a five minute little grounding breath work. And then he faced north for five minutes and looked at the blades of grass in front of him to the north and then turned west and did the same thing. You know, he did the four directions and then he came back and did one more round. It's just a minute each. And he came away with picking out the most beautiful blade of grass. And, you know, that's just it's so simple. And but that ability to focus and pick out the most beautiful blade of grass will then carry over into really seeing, you know, the beauty that's in front of him, you know, all around all around his life. No, that. I mean, I think, yeah, and it all comes back to the breath and being able to slow down, right? And just being being present, like we've already been saying. Totally. Yeah, and there's a million ways to be present. Just choose the one that you like. What is your tip for someone who is new to breath work and kind of sitting there with their breath? Mm, I would say work on nasal breathing. So just get comfortable breathing in and out of your nose. And then you'll notice if you're very new to it, the choppiness of your breath. So like you'll see the inhales might be really fast and then the exhales are like quick and then slow and then quick again. And so you can just work on smoothing that out, smoothing it out as much as you can. That would be, I mean, that's very, the, the easiest first tip is work on the awareness in and out through the nose. And then you can work on the speed that you inhale and the speed that you exhale you can add in different holds. So a very common exercise is a box breath where you'll inhale for, a, we'll say three seconds, hold, hold your breath for three seconds, exhale for three seconds, and then hold for three seconds. And you could just repeat that for five, 10, 15 minutes. You can do three, it, the whole box analogy is that it's just equal on all sides. So it can be three, four, five, 10 seconds. It doesn't really matter. Just whatever level you're at. You know, and breathing, just being able to breathe and sit there and breathe, it, uh, sometimes it's the best thing that you can do for yourself. It totally is. And it, if you're wanting to calm yourself down, you just add, you do the same box, but you just add a longer exhale. So it would be like three in, three hold, six out, three hold. And after, you know, 10 rounds of that, you're in a much calmer state. What is your recovery practice like? You mentioned ice baths and the sauna. What else are you doing to allow your body to relax and recover? Uh, the number one thing I do is I try to get a lot of sleep. So I really stick to the basics. Like I sleep depending upon how hard I work out, <clears throat> like seven or eight to 10 hours a night. And then I drink a lot of water. Like I feel like these really quote-unquote basic concepts people skip because they're not sexy and everyone wants to like take an ice bath and buy a sauna and and whatnot but the number one tip that solves it for a lot of people is just to like move your body through full range of motion and then get good sleep and drink good water but in addition to that I do like doing ice baths and um and saunas and hot baths for like more mental recovery and emotional recovery and then a breath work and I like spending time out in nature really slowing down what are you most proud of I would say 
I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm most proud of my dad for like um, coming out of, on his sexuality. How did that impact you, do you think? Mm, I think my dad for a long part of my life lived like an ultimate should of like, I should, you know, like women, I should be this type of way. I should have a family. I should whatever. And then what, what he's what he's told me is that kind of by me really living my own life and like my own truth, it inspired him to be honest about what he believes in and how he feels. And so it was really inspiring to me when he told me I was just like, you know, extremely obviously supportive of him and wanting and, you know, proud of him. So when you ask me what I'm most proud of, it would be like those conversations that we've had and that he felt comfortable enough to have that with me because I couldn't imagine what it would be like to hold in um, something like that for 50 plus years. Yeah. And just to know that, I, I mean, I think for a lot of parents that they see their kids and all of a sudden they see their kids are their inspiration and in ways they never even thought that their children would inspire them. Yeah, totally. I'll also say I'm really proud of one of my clients, Cheryl. Cheryl's 70 years old. We've been working with each other for um, seven-ish years. I'm not, I probably got that wrong, but it's been a while. And her resiliency is unbelievable. She is really, um, she really lives and breathes like the focusing on what you can control and trying your best. And, and she trains harder than anyone that I know. I feel like that's such an like an interesting thing to point out too, is that I know I think a lot of people put age limits on physical activity and certain things in that, I mean, I've seen the first marathon I ever ran, the woman that was pacing the race was 65 for the group I was running with. And I had just turned 30 and I was trying to keep up with her and just like, she was having a full on conversation with us. And she's like, yeah, I pace a race every couple of weeks. And I'm just like, how can she do something like this every couple of weeks? Like I can't even do this right now. And just, I think there's something that we often overlook when looking to our elders and physicality and just the strength that they really truly have mentally and physically. Yeah, totally. I mean, when I first started working with Cheryl, I was, you know, we were talking about doing crow pose and like, and push-ups. And then she was like, Mike, I can't do crow pose. Like, that's not for me. I'm 65. Like, I'm never going to do that stuff. Let's just focus on these other things. And now she's like, you know, sending me videos of her doing handstands every day. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I'm so, I get so pumped up by other people really going for it because I know how hard it is to really try. And so when you're really trying and you're really putting it out there, it really jacks me up and it makes me like really excited and, and I'm proud. And I'm proud and honored to, to work with those people. What are you ambitious for right now? What am I ambitious for? I, it's very it's much the same stuff that we're talking about. Like I'm ambitious to serve others. Um, I'm really ambitious to focus on serving a lot of men, a lot of men who have maybe focused on their athleticism for so long and holding a big identity around that, but maybe haven't focused as much on you know, um, their communication or their emotional intelligence. And it's giving them different issues in their work or their personal life. So uh, I'm really ambitious on helping those people. What is a piece of advice that you wish you could tell your younger self? Mm, I would say to just like keep staying on the path, 
you know, I, I used to worry when I was, when I was really young, um, I was a really big worrier. And I think that's why I really resonated with that whole shooting concept um, when I learned about it. Cause I was always trying to do what I thought was right. Like I was like Googling, like, what's the right way to ask a girl out? What's the right clothes to wear? What's the right job to get? What's the right internship? What's the right place to live? Like I was always looking outside of myself. And when I learned that I don't need to do any of that, I just need to learn how to go inside. That's been a, that was a huge, huge shift for me like 10 years ago. So prior to that, I would have loved to to learn that earlier. No, I think that we all have lessons like that in our lives where we're like, I wish someone had told me this back then. Yeah, totally. And then final question, what does being an athlete mean to you? I had a feeling you're going to ask me this question and I've been thinking about it for a while. And I think, and that anyone has the capacity to be an athlete as long as they're they're working on a skill and they're training. So if they're working towards a goal, then I think you're an athlete. And that goal could be doing one push-up, one pull-up. It could be winning the World Series. As long as you're motivated towards a goal and you're training for that goal, then you're an athlete in my mind. I love that response. I think that is super a super great way to look at being an athlete. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. How can our listeners connect with you? Thank you for having me. This has been fun. I'm, uh, thanks for giving me the, the space to share. The best way to connect with me is either Instagram. Uh, my handle is mike.idella or my website, mikeidella.com. Um, I have online training programs. I have one-on-one coaching available. Yeah, those would be the best ways to, to get in contact with me. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. In the episode notes, you'll find some links from our partners. Please support the amazing brands that are supporting us. Follow us on Instagram at BehindTheSweat underscore. There you will find a weekly journal prompt based on this episode. This week, we are asking the question, how do you find your flow state? And let's connect personally. I'm at Alex Weiser. Thanks again, and happy Monday.